By the time you listen to this podcast, it's likely official. Elon Musk, the chief twit, is in charge at Twitter. And his team is already in the building. He's already walked in with a kitchen sink. And they are starting to look into the code. Not just that, he started firing people uh, within hours of uh, being in the building. And we're hearing more. I'm going to give you some details. Things are going to get topsy-turvy exciting. Sit back, grab yourself a cup of coffee or whatever it is that you're into. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. Welcome back, bold Americans, to another episode. Elon Musk has done the unthinkable. He paid the $44 billion and has closed the deal to purchase Twitter. In fact, uh, by the time this podcast makes it to your listening ears, he likely has already met with the Twitter staff. Now, before uh, this week, Elon said he was going to lay off 75% of Twitter staff. Twitter's employees wrote a letter and they said, please don't fire all of us. Um, we would like to remain being able to re- work remotely. We would like our benefits. We would like transparency. And Elon Musk on his first day, uh, now that the transaction had begun, said, don't worry, I'm not going to lay off 75% of the staff. But he did start letting people go. In fact, on Thursday, Elon Musk already started firing people. Uh, the CEO, Parag Agrawal, I hope I said these names right. Uh, he's out. He, he got fired, which is great because if you were following the Elon saga, these two had an, a nice little war back when Elon was offered a, a role on the board of directors. And he started criticizing him saying, you know, Parag, what do you do for a living? What are, <laughs> what are you doing to make Twitter better? What did you get done this week? And eventually they had a uh, very public falling out. And shortly after he said, fine, I'll buy your company for 44 billion. And it went downhill from there. Now he also fired Ned Siegel, who is the chief financial officer at Twitter and Sean Edget, who's the general counsel for Twitter. Now, all of these things were leaked to uh, places like the New York times where I'm getting my information. Uh, but it looks like the transformation of Twitter, it's well on board. But I did not tell you the largest name of who he fired. That's right. He fired, and I hope I say this name right, Vijaya God. Now, Vijaya God, she is a attorney, uh, American attorney. She served as the general counsel for the head of legal policy and trust at Twitter. Now, her main job was to deal with harassment, misinformation, and harmful speech. And she is probably the first person I would have had on my firing list if I were Elon Musk. And if I were not an agent of the WEF, maybe I just made a mistake back in 2008 by being part of the Young Global Leaders. Maybe that was just, you know, going to my head, going, okay, PayPal's been very successful. I'm going to do this training that they have. And it seems like he's distanced himself since then. If I did not want to be aligned, this is the type of person that I would fire first. This is uh, one of the most powerful women in the entire world. That's correct. She is one of the most powerful women in the entire world up until her firing hours earlier uh, from me recording this show. She is by far 
the most powerful technology executive that you never heard of until my podcast today, or if you heard the news about the names that he fired. So let me tell you what she was responsible for. All right. Let me tell you uh, her background, what, what we know about her first and foremost, what we should know is that she had been working uh, for Twitter since 2011. And I'm going to get to the, the good stuff first, and then we'll kind of fill in her history. The good stuff would be uh, she blocked the New York Post story about Hunter Biden. This was her role at the company. Now, it was reported that Gad expressed concerns and talked about a lot of the uncertainties about the future of Twitter under a potential leadership of Musk during a virtual meeting with the policy and legal teams. And so this led Musk to uh, really dive into the existing policies of Twitter and say that the platform should only be removing content if it's required by law and uh, criticize that decision about the Hunter Biden story. So this is not too shocking. Also, Gad was one of the people that was most responsible for the removal of Donald Trump from Twitter, as well as many others. So let's go back into uh, where did she come from? So before 2011, she spent a decade working in Silicon Valley for a firm called Wilson, Sanisi, Goodrich, and Rosati. All right, so that was her first firm that she worked for. Now, that law firm practiced business security and intellectual property law and was based out of uh, Palo Alto, California. Um, had a huge technology uh, department uh, that worked well with the life sciences, uh, venture capital firms, private equity firms, lots of investment banking firms. This is uh, a huge um, money uh, company when I say they have 1,850 employees. 950 attorneys and 18 total offices where they bring in about $1.3 billion per year. All right. So, uh, Gad was working at a, you know, not the, this little tiny, uh, mom and pop <laughs> law shop. She was, uh, it, one of the leads in the technology sector. She was also senior director in the legal department of Silicon Valley technology firm, Juniper Networks. Now, Juniper Networks was a multinational corporation in Sunnyvale, California, and they did networking uh, products. Uh, they did routers, switches, security products, um, lots of different technology things there. Uh, and we'll get into maybe what they're tied to pretty pretty soon. I'm not going to get into all that at, at the present moment because it'll be for another episode on another day. I think we can talk about GAD uh, beyond just today. But uh, after that, uh, <laughs> Gad worked in 2006 uh, at the 4.1 billion McClatchy Company Knight Ritter Incorporated acquisition and acted as counsel to the New York Stock Exchange's Proxy Working Group and Committee on Corporate Governance. Mm, big, big, big term there, corporate governance. Uh, so uh, joined Twitter in 2011 uh, and in 2018, she announced that Twitter was hiring researchers to study the health of discourse on the platform. Uh, so that is talking about whether or not these echo chambers, whether or not the conversations were fruitful. Um, and so she has that type of information. So um, 2018, 
Jack Dorsey uh, had Gad in India and they talked to uh, activists about their experiences on Twitter posting. Um, and later on, uh, there was a sign that was held up that attracted some controversy. I'm not going to get into that. You can research that yourself. Um, and Gad had to respond to that because there was a huge social media backlash on that. And she said, I'm very sorry for this. It's not reflective of our views. We thought it was a private photo and it was a gift just for us. We should have been more thoughtful. Uh, Continue. Twitter strives to be an impartial platform for all. We failed to do that here, and we must do better to serve our customers in India. Which really, she just came off as a hypocrite, right? Um, in 2019, uh, she told the CEO Jack Dorsey not to sell any more political advertisements during the 2020 presidential election. In uh, this. A lot of people praised because it wasn't going to have all the advertisements there, but there was also criticism. The problem that I have with this is you may not sell the political advertisements, but your platform definitely was pushing people into certain directions. But we can talk about that in a few. She was also one of the key officials, as I mentioned, to suspend uh, former President Trump's account. Uh, she earned $17 million just in 2021, and she earned $7.3 million in 2020. That's according to some public records that are available out there, and also I went to the Wikipedia page in order to learn a little bit more. So some of that may be a little bit off, uh, but I wanted to try to learn what I could. Now, uh, she was the top censorship advocate in the company as the legal team. She had to defend what she was working on. We now know that the Hunter Biden laptop, that the United States government met with Twitter, they met with Facebook, they met with these teams and said, you know, this is Russian disinformation. Please don't post this type of stuff. Um, Jack Dorsey, who was the CEO, said the decision that they made was the wrong decision. Um, some people uh, feel that, you know, this was online harassment and she was right to do what she did. Uh, but all I can tell you is uh, here we are, Elon Musk, you did the right thing. Uh, you have now decided to fire her. What I love too is when he was sending his information about the purchase back and forth, he was, he was communicating directly with her. And so she knew that her firing was coming this entire time. But this is a person that they controlled the conversation, the discourse in America for some time. And um, ding dong, the witch is dead. Uh, I don't think it's a bad thing whatsoever. Uh, so he has started cleaning house. He started to put in his uh, plan. Uh, it's going to be interesting here following today's headlines to find out what those individuals are saying happened during the meeting uh, as he uh, is in the building on Friday finding out what's happening. I don't have any information on that to be able to share with everybody, but we will find out uh, certainly uh, soon enough and re-reporting on it. Uh, the other parts that I, I wanted to cover about this story is I, I, I mentioned that he wanted to fire 75% of staff, uh, but advertisers are also pushing back on Elon at this point. They're pushing back because they're saying, if you're going to bring people like Donald Trump back in, then we're going to leave the platform. So he put a letter out to uh, the advertisers in order to let them know what his vision was. And so if you'll give me uh, just a brief moment here, I would like to read you some of his words. This is directly from his Twitter page. So if you go to at uh, Elon Musk, you will be able to read this on your own, but I'm just going to read it to you for the um, 
sensibilities of the show so you know what's going on. So he said, uh, I wanted to reach out personally to share my motivation in acquiring Twitter. There has been much speculation about why I bought Twitter and what I think about advertising. Most of it has been wrong. The reason I acquired Twitter is because it is important to the future of civilization to have a common digital town square where a wide range of beliefs can be debated in a healthy manner without resorting to violence. There is currently great danger that social media will splinter into far-right and far-left-wing echo chambers that generate more hate and divide our society. In the relentless pursuit of clicks, much of traditional media has fueled and catered to those polarized extremes as they believe that is what brings in the money. But in doing so, the opportunity for dialogue is lost. That is why I bought Twitter. I didn't do it because it would be easy. I didn't do it to make more money. I did it to try to help humanity whom I love. And I do so with humility, recognizing that failure in pursuing this goal, despite our best efforts, is a very real possibility. That said, Twitter obviously cannot become a free-for-all hellscape where anything can be said with no consequences. In addition to adhering to the laws of the land, our platform must be warm and welcoming to all, where you can choose your desired experience according to your preferences, just as you can choose, for example, to see movies or play video games ranging from all ages to mature. I also very much believe that advertising, when done right, can delight, entertain, and inform you. It can show you a service or product or medical treatment that you never knew existed but is right for you. For this to be true, it is essential to show Twitter users advertising that is relevant as possible to their needs. Low relevancy ads are spam, but highly relevant ads are actually content. Fundamentally, Twitter aspires to be the most respected advertising platform in the world that strengthens your brand and grows your enterprise. To everyone who has partnered with us, I thank you. Let us build something extraordinary together. Woo, that was a long statement. Thank you for letting me read it to you. Uh, this is the first insight, if, if we're to believe every word that he wrote, and we have no reason not to, but this is the first uh, insight that we've gotten into why he has purchased the platform. Uh, that he, It sounds like, to me, he is very much uh, kind of like this show. Uh, I talk about things that may not align to the base of the, the very network that I'm on. And I do that because I find that having the conversation is far more important than trying to earn likes and followers on social media. I find that I, I don't want to have conversations that are one-sided or shocking and, uh, and or appalling simply to get clicks on the socials. I have no interest in that. I hope that if you want to follow my show, you're following me on socials because each show you're like, you know what, that show, I, I felt like that was pretty good, uh, spoke a lot of my thoughts or questions that I have and was pretty balanced, uh, didn't go too crazy in the one side or another side. And I feel like Elon Musk would like Twitter to look more like that. But in order to do that, you have to allow all the voices. You've got to allow the discourse to happen. And I think that, you know, it was nice that he put it. It can't be a free for all hellscape, right? There, there's not a, a spot for uh, hate speech. There, there can't be a, a spot for that. Uh, can't be a spot for breaking the law with terroristic threats and those type of things. Uh, so I do believe that there will be some type of censorship because, uh, even that the Texas law that I brought up maybe a month ago that was trying to be passed, that if you have more than, I can't remember what the number was, 5 million uh, subscribers, follow, uh, the followers, subscribers to your service, then there were certain things that you had to do. 
Well, Elon Musk is now a private owner, so he's not going to have to follow a lot of these uh, rules. Um, but uh, I think it's going to be important. And now that the legal team is gone, he can put his own people in. Uh, we're going to get uh, something that should be a little bit more interesting, I think. Um, so anyway, make a long story short, uh, Twitter, uh, this is happening. It's happening right now. We're going to talk about the ramifications for the global elite and uh, maybe what people are thinking and scared of as soon as we come back. So you're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. Be right back. Cold and flu season is here. Wouldn't it be great if you had a way to minimize airborne viral threats? Well, now there is, and it's a pulvinone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray called Cofix RX. You might even say it's just what the doctor ordered. To reduce your chance of getting hurt, you wear a safety belt when you're driving. To limit sun damage, you wear sunscreen on the beach. Cofix RX is just like that. It's an additional layer of protection. It's sold by thousands of pharmacists and medical doctors nationwide. It's made right here in the USA. Again, it's a pulvinone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray. You've heard them talk about it here on the Outloud Network over and over again. Check out cofixrx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com for a retailer near you or use coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off at cofixrx.com. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day, yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has, creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. Welcome back, Bold Americans. We're continuing the conversation now about Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter, about maybe who might be a little bit scared about this purchase. And I think that there should be a number of people that are uh, shaking in their boots. Let's look at the Twitter usage base around the world. In the United States, 76 million people are on Twitter. It's got the highest number of uh, users by country, uh, but Japan is very close to us. And it's initially launched here, so that should come as really no surprise that, that we have the, the largest base. But let's think about all the people that are on Twitter. Uh, politicians, every single politician's on Twitter. Journalists, all over Twitter. Sources for those journalists, all over Twitter. I've probably guessed to say that we have FBI agents on Twitter, CIA on Twitter. You have um, leaders in many different thought tanks on Twitter, members of WEF, young global leaders, as well as regular leaders on Twitter. Guess who owns all of that information right now? That's right. The one, 
the only chief twit, Elon Musk. Elon Musk now knows the private thoughts of many of these elite individuals, conversations that we're having. If a journalist was using Twitter in any way, shape, or form to have a conversation with somebody else, that conversation is no longer under the regular terms of agreement. As far as I would understand this, that as a private company and buying it and paying out all of the shareholders, he now owns all of that information. (laughs) This is going to be a show, ladies and gentlemen. Just buckle up. I cannot wait. And this is one of the reasons why I feel that firing all those people day one, getting the legal team out the door and a number of others, and he already brought in his uh, Tesla code uh, code people uh, and those code uh, breakers and writers, they are now um, locking out the regular Twitter employees in order to inspect and see what's going on. Now, continuing on, Japan. Japan has 60 million people registered on the site. Now, the entire population is only 120 million people, which means half of Japan is using Twitter. All right. They are the second uh, largest country as far as uh, who uses it, and they have the highest percentage of citizens who use it. So let's think about uh, what Japan is in, the technology side, and all the intellectual information that Elon Musk will now be privy to. India. Uh, India is also at the top of this list, uh, not because they have the most amount of users, but you know they have 1.4 billion people living in India, but there's 23.6 million that actually have a Twitter account. Um, and this is mostly because their internet access in India is not as great as in Japan and some of the other parts of the developed world. Uh, Brazil uh, also uh, has about 19 million people. Um, and so same thing there. Uh, there's an internet connection issue in some parts of Brazil, so that could increase. And uh, China, guess what? China has no Twitter users because Twitter is banned in China as are many social media sites. Um, So there are people that use VPNs to get around that ban, um, but you're not going to know what the official numbers are out of China uh, because of that. Uh, So it doesn't look like that China will ever be uh, that large of a Twitter base. Now, some other countries, and uh, I'm just going to go down the stats kind of quickly here. All right, so we got uh, Indonesia with 18.45 million, United Kingdom with 18.4 million people, Turkey 16.1, Saudi Arabia 14.1 million, Mexico has 13.9, Thailand has 11.45 million, Philippines 10.5 million, France 10 million, Spain 8 million, Canada 7.9 million, Germany 7.75 million, South Korea 7.2 million, Argentina 5.9 million, Egypt 5.15 million, Malaysia 4.4, Colombia 4.3, and that's everything I was able to get records to. Why is that all important? Well, let's look at Saudi Arabia. What's going on in Saudi Arabia right now? Okay, Credit Suisse. Uh, this bears mentioning. October 27th, I did an episode. I said that the uh, chicken was coming home to, to roast in the pot today, and they did. They got absolutely destroyed in their third quarter earnings report. And guess who bailed out Credit Suisse? Well, if I stopped at Saudi Arabia, there's a reason why. Because Saudi Arabia gave them 5 billion dollars. All right. It started off from what I read 
that f- about $4 billion would be raised, um, but there's a Saudi-backed plan to get $5 billion. Now, at the same time, ironically, if you're in the meme stocks, uh, Credit Suisse also <laughs> put out a statement on Thursday that said that uh, if you're holding AMC stock, it's time to sell because they see it going down the 95 cents, which is great because if you understand meme stock and you understand what got Credit Suisse into some of this problems, it's because they shorted AMC. And when the meme stockers took this thing to the moon, it's what helped cause the crash of this company. This is uh, really going to be interesting to, to see that the Saudis are going to be uh, in charge, basically, of this bank. Uh, they're going to have to do a major, major carve-up of their investments. They're going to have to uh, restructure their their entire workforce. Um, this is not going to be the same company that people knew. It's going to be a smaller company. Uh, it's going to have to change who they serve. Um and it's going to have a ripple effect, as I stated a few weeks ago, around the world. Um, but you know what's really cool about this? Guess who has all the information about these type of financial transactions, if anything's being talked about on Twitter now? That's right, Elon Musk. And perhaps maybe that's unfair. I mean, when Elon Musk now is making his decisions on what he's purchasing, when he's making decisions on what to do, he likely has the most powerful engine known to man the thinking of people in order to predict the future and to win so elon uh, i'm talking to you right now um if if you want to uh you know ever be my best friend and give me some advice on my investments using your twitter algorithms i'm listening let me know what's, what i can do uh, i'm here for you at elon musk <laughs> at real greg bolden's got your back so Elon now has access to all of this information. He he knows what the politicians are up to. He knows what the WEF's up to, the, what the young global leaders are up to. He knows what these different countries are working with and all their leaders in the European Union uh, talk about the parliament. He likely knows all the stuff uh, between pharmaceutical companies. He likely has the messages from people to know what the actual origination is of COVID. So you know what, Elon, if if you guys are mining this data and you find out that this was leaked in the lab, could you let everybody know in the <laughs> in the assurance of transparency? Transparency, I can't speak right now. There we go. I got it out for everybody. Um, it's going to be a very interesting ride moving forward. Very interesting. So how soon do you think that Donald Trump gets reinstated onto Twitter? Do you think that he will give in the advertisers? He said it's not about the money, um, but will he give in? And also there's people that drive traffic to Twitter, right? People go to Twitter just to hear from certain people. Um, I don't know that I have a huge following. I just joined Twitter. I wasn't into the the whole social media thing, but having this show uh, on the America out loud network, I, I joined Twitter to make sure the people knew that I, they could reach out to me, that I would talk about whatever they want to talk about. So at real Greg Bolden, last name is spelled B O U L D E N. You can feel free to follow along um, and join the discourse with me as uh, hopefully we have a, a, a little bit more of a, a freedom format now uh, without having to worry about the government getting involved. So this is this is the part that's really interesting now. Will the government 
attempt to work with Elon Musk directly, just as they were working with uh, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, just as they were working with Jack Dorsey in the past? Or will Elon Musk uh, maintain some distance and some autonomy with the amount of money that he has? Will he say, you know what, I, I'm going to do my thing. You can feel free to give me the information you want to give me, uh, but I'm going to stick to um, what I believe is right and proper for the reason that I'm, I'm moving forward here. Um, the moderation policy uh, is going to be important to follow to see what they end up doing to, to moderate the content. Now that Elon's at the helm, uh, finding out, you know, if Trump gets reinstated. Is he going to start immediately posting? Uh, what, what's that going to look like? Uh, how's that going to be, um, you know, seen? And so the, the other part is, you know, will the government go after Elon Musk now? Will all of a sudden the Department of Justice be weaponized against this guy if he's not towing the line? Uh, if I'm Elon, I have a plan as well right now in order to fight back because I believe this guy just became public enemy number one in the world. I believe that there are some very powerful people that never wanted this day to happen, that, that hope that it wouldn't happen. And uh, it's here. It's here. I'm not sure, you know, that I say that everybody can completely trust Elon Musk. One thing that bothers me about him is uh, his transhumanism uh, type of stuff that he wants to talk about with AI and marrying the Neuralink into people. Um, the transhumanism movement is something that you hear a lot from um, the World Economic Forum as well. And that's one of those last remaining things that I, I'm, I'm thinking, look, I know that he was somebody who was tied to them back in 2008. Has he distanced himself enough from them? It looks like he had himself removed from all web pages, so no one would know that he had this type of relationship before. Uh, he's spoken out about not being a part of WEF and the agenda. Uh, he's spoken out against Klaus Schwab. Uh, but, you know, there's still this like skeptic here that, as I said a couple days ago, uh, Elon, I would love to have you on the show to kind of discuss having common sense goals, common sense conversations to create a, a better, uh, more warm, loving team humanity as Susanna Newell, my, my friend there that I had on the show says, uh, we're all huma human, we're all humanity, right? We got to live on this, this little uh, globe together and be good to one another. And uh, I want to know where Elon Musk falls in all this. Uh, but Elon, protect yourself. Please, please, please do whatever you got to do. I, I, I think you're, you're putting yourself at great harm. Um, now maybe you have so much money at this point that that great harm can be mitigated against with the money that you have. Uh, but it's going to be uh, pretty interesting. And before we get going today, I just want to cover a couple other uh, stories that are going on. Um, Carrie Lake, uh, was just asked a question. Now I, I, one thing I don't like about Carrie Lake is I do not like the whole election denial stuff and, uh, not having a transparent plan on how we're going to secure the elections in Arizona. Uh, if they believe that there is this widespread fraud, um, it should be uh, more independent, more transparent, not just one political party. Don't leave it to just the Republicans, just as you don't want to leave it to just the Democrats. Uh, we need great transparency. But, but what I want to talk about is, um, so Carrie Lake uh, was confronted by a reporter 
about uh, these attacks against her opponent, which, by the way, her opponent is refusing, refusing to debate uh, in any way, shape or form. Um, kind of <laughs> Carrie keeps saying, well, she's staying in the basement. And I got to be honest, that's exactly what it looks like right now. Um, but here's here's the problem. Uh, Carrie Lake responds to this question today extremely well. And so I'm going to play that for you right now. That you guys are running with this story. Shame on you. We have a wide open border right now with thousands of people pouring across it. Shame on you for covering this story ad nauseum. Shame on you for covering a story when we have fentanyl pouring across, killing our young people, literally killing our young generation. Now, the story that she's talking about is that her opponent uh, had her office burglarized and she blamed Carrie Lake and uh, her campaign on militarizing, I guess, the people towards uh, burglarizing her her office. And I felt that she redirected back to the issues. She also uh, had a lot of other words before then. But um, here's the problem with with this election. I kind of talked about on yesterday's show a little bit. Um, Arizona is a lot like Pennsylvania in, in many ways. So Carrie Lake's already stated, you know, if she loses this election, then she probably wouldn't accept the results of the election. Um, you know, Arizona, what's going on out there? You got people with armed weapons uh, at the drop boxes right now, people threatening one another. Uh, you have somebody who is continuing uh, to uh, really up root the thread of democracy with doubt in the elections. Um, this is really, really uh, concerning. Meanwhile, uh, you have Katie Hobbs, who's running against her, refusing to debate her. You know, here you got Fetterman that I talked about yesterday. Fetterman's willing to have a debate. Katie Hobbs, what are you doing? Why would why would you have a debate if, if, if you can defend your platform, defend your 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 talking points? Uh, so Carrie Lake's going to win in Arizona. I, I don't have any doubts about that. And if she doesn't win, I'll be kind of shocked. But again, it's this whole concept of the ugliness that has come into our general elections. It used to not be so fatalistic if your side lost. It wasn't the end of the world. There was always in two years we can get things back. But now everything is fatalistic and that's not good. Not good at all. Uh, so maybe, you know, Elon, maybe you can bring some more common sense to the platform, remove the fatalistic ideals of people. Uh, but we're seeing it in so much of the politicization of things all around us. Ladies and gentlemen, I know you had plenty of things you could listen to today, but you stuck it right here with me at the end of the week. I hope that you all have a wonderful weekend. Um, I hope that it's good weather for each of you and you got some happiness and get away from all the polarization. Just enjoy the people that you are with. Make those connections, make them personal, and have a blast. You've been listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. Be bold, America. Uh-huh.